My name is Bucky. For the past six months, I've been receiving cassette tapes mailed to my apartment from an undisclosed location. With no return address, the only clue being one name, Gnome E. Betterman. I've decided to upload these recordings as a podcast with the hope that the author might be identified or stopped. These are the Betterman Tapes. Hello, and welcome to the Betterman Tapes, Bucky reporting in. Um, We're back and uh, continuing our exploration of these mysterious tapes. Uh, Today's tape is the fifth to arrive in a brown envelope addressed to the resident listener. It uh, is a BASF 90 Chrome Maxima Roman numeral 2 tape on which is written Suckings 3. There is a post-it note attached as well upon which is written A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, but a bird with no bush is best of all. Gnome E. Betterman. Well, I don't quite get it, but I'm sure it's something to do with vaginas. Anyway, um, not much else to say. Here's the tape. time was nearing at the dimly lit dive bar. Mixed Tavern, being conveniently located next to a bus stop, attracted a regular smattering of two-time DWIers and negligent parents. Tonight, as the bartender began his nightly task of tidying up and putting chairs on tables, only three patrons remained in the bar. At the bar sat a handsy couple quite oblivious to the glaring stare of the old man in the corner. Bodies close, the young man and middle-aged woman shared enticing whiskey-scented whispers. Hands exploring and eyes imploring, the two were in a world of their own until they heard the old man speak. You think the world's your fucking oyster? Awoken from their horny reverie, the couple cast their shocked eyes downward and saw the old man in his wheelchair. He was wrinkled and bitter, like a raisin past its expiry date. You know those discounted boxes of raisins marked down to move product? And you think, they couldn't be too bad, after all, they are a kind of preserved fruit. Little would you know that the first handful of undead grapes would leave a bitter and wretched taste in your mouth that would make you vow to never again be a cheapskate when it came to produce. Well, this old man was just like that, but he was also a cripple in a wheelchair. You're a fucking oyster! He continued. The young man started to give a reply. Uh, 
excuse me, just, just what do you think? But was cut off. That's right, an oyster. You give her some pearls and she opens her clam. The woman kept stum. She'd been planning on offering up her clam, pearls or not. After all, even a clam with two kids and a mortgage needed a good shucking now and again. Listen, old timer, we, we were just leaving, okay? Said the young man brusquely. The young man had severely beaten a wheelchair-bound septuagenarian once before and didn't want to repeat the experience. As he turned back to leave, he heard the old man mumble. You think the world's gonna bow down and do obeisance before you? The young man paused. Obeisance? This man was a scholar. He recessed his egress, about-faced, and politely waited for the old man to continue. I was once like you, young and able-bodied. I thought I had the world by its short hairs. I'd made a name for myself at the firm, and rumors had it that I'd soon be tapped for a partnership. I was so full of myself that I'd recently gotten a fair bit of attention from the secretarial staff as well. One in particular had caught my fancy, a blonde-haired strumpet named Polly Perkytids. One spring afternoon, I mustered up the courage to ask her out for a drink. She accepted, of course. I picked her up around seven, and the evening was spent on dinner and dancing. She gave me more signs than a deaf mute, so I thought I'd take a slight detour on the way home if you get my drift. I guided my Buick Skylock two turns off the main road to an unassuming idyllic side street. Buick now parked. I turned to Polly and started to investigate what was hiding under her Angora sweater. She didn't even try to put up the but-I'm-a-good-girl defense. One clumsy fondling, and there they were, titties on the forward aft. All hands on deck proceed to engage. Cupping a C-cup cupcake in my left hand, I proceeded with my right to make an exploratory voyage to the southern regions, but was cut off. Before we get ahead of ourselves, stout yeoman, she said. Let's see what we're working with. She had laid the groundwork for my shining glory's entrance. I had every intention of whipping out Mr. Franklin. But at the last moment, self-doubt took hold of me. What if she disliked what she saw? What if my manhood was not comparable to the cavalcade of cocks that had passed before her vision? At that moment, I lost my seemingly unshakable confidence and my fingers withdrew from my trouser buttons. Perhaps, I ventured, we should first get to know each other. Friendship, the refuge of the dickless. She recoiled in shock and disgust. You sniveling worm, she said through gritted teeth. You don't even have the courage to unsheathe your saber. What kind of a good girl do you think I am? Get bent! The next thing I knew, my cheek was stinging from a slap and my ears were ringing from a slam of the car door as she exited. So there I sat, yellow-bellied, red-faced, and blue-balled. Well, I said out loud to no one, at least I can adjust the hue of one extremity myself. 
so they're alone in the car. To my everlasting shame, I decided to finish alone what had started earlier. Fly loosed. No sooner had I unveiled my salty pillar did I simultaneously experience two sensations. One was the hitherto unfamiliar sensation of gagging on my own dick, and the other was the almighty crack of my spine breaking in two from the effort. Try as I might, as if by some unseen force I could not extricate myself from my predicament. I feebly tried to call for help. Only a muffled gurgle escaped my preoccupied lips. I can't go out like this, I thought. Not like this. So by nudging the ignition with my free pinky finger, I managed to start the car. Staring blindly as I drove down the street, crashing into trash cans and letterboxes until finally I arrived on the main road. Finally free from that occult magic, I was able to take my member from my mouth. But my back broke in in six places. the jaws of life to get me out, and once I was able to breathe on my own, I've been in this chair. Get bent, she told me, and get bent I did, bent into a cripple, a shell of what I once was, all because I lacked the courage of my erection. A silence had fallen over the tavern. Even the bartender had stopped wiping glasses. The young man looked away and wiped a single tear. He was about to speak, but before he could, he felt a tugging on his arm. He looked back to see the woman making let's-go motions with her eyes towards the door. How dare she was the only thought he could muster. He turned towards her and delivered a mighty backhand. Crawl back to your broken home, Jezebel. I'll not become a shell of a man for you. Rebuked and admonished, the strumpet she-beast quickly made her retreat out the door. And then, clap, 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 clap. The young man turned around to see the old man wiping tears away between vigorous claps. <laughs> you did good, kid. You did good. Hey, Mick, the young man said, wheeling the old cripple towards the bar. Before you close, how about a round for a real American hero? On the house, Mick said, reaching for his best brandy. The old man just sat contented, happy that his cautionary tale had made a difference. The moral of the story being, when in doubt, pull it out especially on Shrewsbury Lane. Oh, boy. Flabbergasted. Truly flabbergasted. <sighs> when in Pull it out. What kind of moral is that, you cunt? Don't. My. Excuse me. I. I don't know what came over me. It's like these tapes are influencing. You know, that, that 
That, that can't be right. That, uh, can't be. The only way to find out is to go forward together next time on The Betterman Tapes. Thank <laughs> you.